Well, that's our topic today. It's been our topic through this Lent series, We Prepare Hearts for Easter, talking about desire, the importance of desire, the idea that desire is what underneath everything else, all the motivations in your life are these underlying, underlying desires that drive your life, that points you in the direction that you should go. We've been talked, we started the whole series on this idea of the Psalm 42, where the psalmist writes this, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? And this idea we've been talking about of desire is so important because desire dictates our direction in life. And you believe that? Like desire dictates your direction. There are things that you do that you don't, you might not even know why you do them, but you do them because there is a desire deep down within you that you are desperate to fulfill. And desire dictates our direction. We talked about last week, Sean Bolton talked about the idea of choice, that Jesus came, comes to this blind guy, right? He heals him. But before he heals them, he asks this somewhat obvious question of, what do you want? Why would you ask a blind guy? Like, if you're the guy who heals people, why would you ask the blind guy, what do you want? Of course, I want to see. Because it's important for us to choose. It's important, Jesus thought it was important for him to recognize, what do you really want? Is that all you want? You just want to be fixed? Do you, do you really want something new? Do you really want to be healed? Because that opens up a whole new world for you. And this morning, we engage in another conversation because the truth is, if you know what your desires are, you know that there are conflicting desires within you. Right? You, you face that all the time. Like there's the, within your family, right? Like I want to I get some rest on a Sunday afternoon nap. But my kids, I also want to be with my kids who want to wake me up and do something else, right? Like there are conflicting desires. I want both of these things. What do I do with that? There are conflicting desires. And because our desires lead us in those directions, it's important for us to recognize that. Now, I think about, when I think about this conflicting desires thing, I think. Uh, one of the best illustrations of this um, is a story about sacred cows. Now, this is based out of, I read this story, it's based out of, and some of you, how many of you grew up, how many of you grew up, anybody grew up on a farm? Anybody in the area like that? Okay. So, so a couple people maybe in a farm. How many of you grew up and had a friend in 4-H? Got some more of those in here? Okay. So some of you are going to really relate to this. Okay. So, so there's this kid, and um, the story, as the story goes, he grew up on a farm. And if you grow up on a farm, you know, you don't just have regular pets, especially if you're in 4-H, right? You have, like, farm animals that, like, you're raising from little things. So he raises this cow, and this cow's name is Star. And he gets really attached to Star. The problem is, Star, as Star gets older and becomes an adult, Star doesn't produce milk like Star should. And so it's, Star can't really be part of the, the milking crew. And, of course, it's a farm, and so if the cow's not going to be milked, you got to figure out something else to do with it, and the boy's parents decide that the cow's going to be hamburger instead of producing milk. Now, much to that little boy's, like, he was like, no, and so he concocts this hole, and the story goes, he concocts this whole idea in his head that he's going to load the cow into the trailer, and he's going to get the unlicensed pickup, and he's going to load the cow, and they're going to run away together, right? And they're going to have their life, he and Star on the road, you know? And then he realizes... I don't have a driver's license, I'm not going to get very far, this probably is not a good idea, and with lots of conversations with his parents and promises of a new farm animal to raise, he finally relents, and as a teenager, even 
eats the hamburger that Star produced. Now, talk about conflicting desires, right? Like, man, what's going on here? And in the same way, you know, we, we are like that little boy sometimes in that we have sacred cows in our lives, right? Things in our lives that we feel so strongly attached to. Like, I have to have this. This is so important to me. And the truth is that even in that sacred cow that we feel like we can't let go of, it's a conflicting desire, particularly when it comes to our relationship and our journey with God. And just like that little boy, we have some decisions to make. Now, Jesus, in probably, uh, at least this is what, so Pastor Rick is over at Gettysburg Pike, and when I showed him this uh, outline, the scripture that I picked to put together for our weekend messages, he looked at me and said, dude, Really? The hardest passage in the New Testament, that's what you want to talk about on the Sunday? I'm like, yeah, that's just kind of like me, right? Like, I, I love, because they're convicting to me, and I'm like, man, there's something that really engages me, even though it's just a hard conversation. And so this conversation this morning is one where Jesus is identifying some sacred cows from people in Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, he begins to have this conversation, and it is just it's just like Jesus. It's like surprising sometimes, right? When you read the words of Jesus and you realize these are written like 2,000 years ago. This is something that happened that long ago. And yet he is keyed in. He is so genius to our human nature that when we read it, we're like, how did you know that these words are so timeless, timeless and so prophetic into our life that we feel it? And so he talks about these sacred cows, three of them today, that we're going to talk about. Comfort, family, and plans. Three things that Jesus speaks to each of these guys. And, and these are all good things, and yet, then they start to edge God out of the position that he wants to hold in our lives. They become sacred cows that we need to do something. And so the idea this morning as we go into this passage, I want to get you to this, this main idea here, and that's this, that if we want to really have, stoke our desire for God, we really want to renew it and say, man, I really want you, God, then we have to be ready to be relinquishing our competing desires. Because it's when, we re, when we're willing to relinquish our competing desires, it gives room for us to grow a renewed desire for God and for Him alone. Because the competing desires that we hold so dear are the very ones that are keeping us from knowing the joys and the abundant life and the relationship that God desires most for you. And so it's my hope this morning that you'll be able to identify those in your own life and that you'll be able to bring yourself with some courage to relinquish them. Now, it's important for us to have a little context for this conversation before we get into it this morning. So let me, let me give you a little context for Luke, this chapter, Luke chapter 9, what's happening. Because I want you to understand that when Jesus has these conversations, so a lot of times we think of, when I, when I say Jesus' disciples, what's the number that comes to mind? Twelve, right? Like a lot of you who read the New Testament are like, oh, there's twelve guys. But did you know there's actually a lot bigger team than that? There were twelve guys in this one circle, but there were a lot more than that. And in this chapter of Luke chapter 9, Jesus is actually building towards and inviting people onto this team where in Luke chapter 10, he's going to send out 72. Okay, now I don't... I don't know what the magic number is to 72. I don't know if it just ended up being 72 or Jesus had something in mind with 72. Seems that even seemed to be important because he sent them out in twos and it's kind of hard to divide by two and it's odd. Just a little math lesson for you there. So I don't know what all the scheme is going on there, but Jesus is building towards this. And, and there's all this miracles, right? People had seen Jesus heal people. 
And when you see somebody like raise someone from the dead, when you see someone like miraculously heal someone, when you sat under someone and they've spoken into your life and what they say, like just one phrase, just one look, and you are overwhelmed with like, it touches you in such a deep way that you're like, I, I need to be around this person more. I need to hear more of that man. That just, that just changed me forever. When, they, when he speaks something, it sets you free from your past. When you realize that you don't have to drag all your past with you anymore because this person has set you free for that. Like, you want to be around this person, right? You want to be all in. And that's what people are saying to him. Like, let me be all in. I want to follow you. I want to be on this team. I want to be part of this. And as, like with any good job interview, you know, Jesus is kind of calling people out. Now, I want to tell you why he's calling people out. This has been my experience with there are hard conversations in the scripture that you hear. And it's, it might be like, I just, I just hear that and don't even want, like, can we just take that out of the scripture? Because I don't even want to think about it. But here's what I found. And you've got to hear this. I want you to really hear this. Because if you can't hear it this way, it is hard to read the scripture and really take in all that God has for you. God loves you so much. He desires to be in relation with you so much he refuses to play second fiddle to anything. He doesn't want just a little bit of you. He loves you so much, he wants all of you. He wants all of your heart. He doesn't want all that competition because he, this is what he knows. If you let anything else compete for first place in your life, you're going to try to get something out of that that you can never get out of. And it's going to derail you and sidetrack you. And that's why Jesus says to these guys as they're trying to come in, he's like, let me just throw this out. Like, they'll ask him, I want to follow you. And he's, you know, let, let me just throw this out to you so that you can identify in your own heart. Each one of them, he, he's seeing into their life, and he's saying, this is what you need to think about as a competing desire, as something that is competing for the first place in your heart. Maybe you didn't even know it, but I want you to identify it before you say, you're all in, because I want you to be all. I want all of you, because that's where you're going to experience the real abundant life joy that I have laid out for you, the love. I don't want you to be sidetracked by anything else. And that's what I believe that God's conversation is for us this morning. So I just want to stop and pray and let us ask God to do that in our hearts for a minute and prepare us for that. Lord Jesus, you proved your love to us. We see it in your life as recorded in Scripture. We know it because of the cross, what you did there, Lord. Was we lead up to Easter and even consider what we'll talk about in Easter and how unbelievably believable the cross, the event of the resurrection really was. God, you proved your love to us. You came and sacrificed. And the reason you did that was because we are your creation, your sons and your daughters, and you long for us to be in full relationship with you. You long for us to have the, the life that you created us for and nothing less. So Holy Spirit, will you come and convince our hearts of that this morning and convict us that we might renew our desires for you by relinquishing desires in our life that we thought might bring us something that we've been holding on to tightly, but instead we just need to hold on to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's jump in. You can pull out your outline this morning or your Bible or get out your Bible app with you this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9, and uh, we're going to talk about these important desires. We're going to start in verse 57 this morning as we talk about this conversation that Jesus has with these guys who are saying, I'm all in, and then Jesus needs to have this conversation with them. So here's where it starts. As they're walking along the road, a man said to him, 
I will follow you, Jesus. I'll follow you wherever you go. It doesn't matter where you're going. It doesn't matter how far you're going. I will follow you. It's pretty admirable. Then Jesus replies with this statement. How would you like to be like following Jesus? Because he always has these statements that you're like, huh? Like, and this is the way, like, honestly, like, it's, oh, disciples, the 12 guys who were closest to him and understood the most were often like, huh? What in the heck do you mean, Jesus? I don't get it. So this is what he says. Jesus replies to this man. Foxes have dents and birds have nests. Foxes have places to go where they can be comfortable, where they can know what's going to happen, where they can feel like everything's together. Birds have nests, and they, they want to stay there, and they want to nest in. Like, what, what do we say like, when, when someone is like, often, like, as, a, as a guy, like, I'll talk to guys, and they'll be like, ah, my wife doesn't want to move. Like, it's like nesting, you know what I mean? Like, that's the word we use, right, to, to indicate when someone says, I'm nesting, I'm like buried in. I'm like, no, this is, I, I have this instinct here. Jesus says, listen, there's all this instinct to stay where you are, to, to bury in, to, to enjoy what you have. But the Son of Man, has no place to lay his head. Say, so I came and said, you are, in other words, Jesus is saying, like, listen, it is important for you to recognize something. It is important. And I, don't you admire this guy's commitment? And this is a big commitment. I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus' reply is this clarifying statement. To this guy's desire to say, listen, I want you to follow me wherever you go, but I just want you to understand up front that there may be some things in your life, some things about comfort, some things that you want to stay put to, some things that seem important to you, and comfort can't be number one. If you really want to follow me and enjoy me, if you really want to be on this mission, if you really want to be in and all in, then you're going to have to relinquish your desire to put comfort before God. And that's the question that Jesus leaves us with today. Can we relinquish our desire to put comfort before God? Now, let me tell you, I, I remember when I was in college and I was coming to Jesus, and um, because of some church experiences I had growing up, I wasn't real interested in church or God at that point in my life. I mean, I was interested in succeeding. I was interested in performing. I was interested in making money eventually. I was interested in friendships, but I wasn't sure I was interested in God. But in college, God was, I was, God was gracious towards me and put some people in my life. And uh, I began to identify some loneliness and some lack of purpose in my life and realized that all those other things that I had put number one, not one of them was fulfilling my heart. My heart still felt empty. I was chasing after them, and it just felt like there's still nothing there. And so I made this big commitment to God. I found my way to Jesus, and I was like, this thing is real. I believe Jesus is real. I believe the resurrection's real. And so I said, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm all in. Do you know what my second thought was? Or maybe right, right before and right after that commitment of like, Jesus, I'm all in. Maybe some of you remember this when you made this commitment. What if he sends me to Africa? Right? Like, what if, right? Like, what if I make this commitment and he sends me to Africa? Like, okay, now I'm, I'm thinking about this as I was thinking about that story. And I'm like, that was the most ridiculous thought ever. Like, all the junk in my life, and he wants to send me to be a missionary in Africa, like, that would be the worst idea ever at that moment. Like, as if that moment is like, hey, now that you're all in, before you can think about it, or mature at all, or be an actually loving, kind person, let me send you to Africa. Like, that, 
That would just be a dumb idea, right? But that, that was my, or worse, like Siberia. Like, what if he's like, go to Siberia, to the cold fields of Siberia, and be my missionary? I'm like, what if that happens? That's, that's pretty uncomfortable. And that was, that's just the truth, right? Like, that's where we start to feel this tension of comfort. Now, maybe it sounds more like it does for you, like it does for me these days. Like, God, I want to follow you, Jesus. And then I feel this sense of like you're out and you're with so, you're out maybe in a restaurant or something, and God says, Go talk to that stranger. Go say this to them, like this, go pray for them. And you're like, What? What are you talking? That can't be your voice. Like you're having this whole argument because you're like, that's uncomfortable, God. I don't know what I'm gonna say to that. Some of you guys are great at striking up conversations. I'm like, listen, I, if I strike up a conversation with you, I'm likely to ask you like this deep this question that you're gonna be like, Okay, can you never talk to me again? Like, that's just like, this is not where we start the conversation. So, like, God, that's uncomfortable. Or maybe some of you, like, in those moments where, like, we've been talking about missions trips. Some of you might be considering our missions trips, which is next week. That's when you've got to have the application. And you're in the middle of it. You're like, God, I, I want to go on that trip, but it that's, costs a lot of money. I'm going to have to ask people to help. It's, it's going to be in some place that I'm not comfortable with. I just, I don't like that. Not ready. See, this is where it gets real for us to say, what's, what's comfortable in this? So my question for you this morning is just this. What, what's the comfort in your life that's a sacred cow? It's the thing that you hold on to dearly, that it makes you push the pause button. When God's going to say something to you, and you, you have these thoughts running through your head, like, what if he sends you to Africa? Like, what's making you push the pause button? So, but not that. Not that, God. I mean, if you were to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, what's keeping you from that? What's the competing desire that you need to let go of? Is it your house? I mean, you're, man, I, God, I want to follow you, but I, I also want this house. I want to be comfortable. And listen, as I'm, I'm going to bring up a couple more things. I just want to let you know something. And this is the way it works in my life. The more resistance I feel to something, the more I don't want to actually think about that thing, the more God's Spirit tells me you should think about it. You should have a conversation with me. What about, what about your bank account? No, no, God, I'm gonna, I want to give to your mission. I want to support the church. I want to do what, I want to give to that. But let me pay off this debt first. Let me take care of that thing first. I've got to be comfortable with enough money in my account. My car, I gotta have this certain car. I gotta, I don't can't drive this other car. Or I gotta, I, I wanna serve you, but I, I, I love to travel, and so I can't really commit to anything over there. I, I gotta travel too much. I gotta do all this other stuff. I wanna have fun. God, I, I, I wanna be all in with you, but I got this relationship, and they're not real thrilled about my relationship with God, and so I've been holding back. I've been letting them hold me. Like, God, that would just be uncomfortable if I had to have this conversation with them about, like, See, I'm in with God, and I, I just don't know what to do with that. What's making you push the pause button? Because I want you to pause right now and consider what is that thing. Maybe you just want to jot it down. Maybe something's coming to your head. Maybe something strikes a note of defensiveness in you. And I gotta, I gotta jot that down. Because I need to have a conversation with God about that. And this is why Jesus has these conversations with us. 
Let me play second fiddle. I want to be number one in your life. You will never get from comfort what you need from comfort. Only I can comfort you. So comfort's not a bad thing, but it's got to be a second or a third or a fourth. So Jesus has a second conversation. This other guy, this other guy comes and says, I want to follow you. Another man. He, he invites this guy. He says, hey, listen, I see something in you. Follow me. And this is what the man says to him. He replies, he says, Lord, first, first, before I follow you first, let me go and bury my father. This seems like a fairly reasonable request, right? Like, let me go and bury my father. Now, if you have this picture of Jesus as warm and fuzzy and really nice, I'm just going to warn you right now, this is about to all get shattered for you, okay? And we're going to talk about what it means, but I'm just about to shatter all this picture of, like, Jesus just warm, fuzzy, cuddly, give you a big hug kind of Jesus. Like, this is where Jesus says, I'm calling something out of you, and it's important. This is Jesus' response to him. He says, I just got to bury my father. So Jesus says back to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom. Woo! Sounds pretty cold, doesn't it? Jesus... Did you not have your coffee this morning? Like, what's, what's going on? Like, what's happening here? I mean, if, if there were unpopular tweets by Jesus, this would be on the list, right? You're like, Jesus, you shouldn't have said that right then. That was not, like, that was not very nice. You should stay off Twitter when you're in those moods. <laughs> so here's Jesus, right? Like, Jesus is talking to this guy, and, and he's talking to him really about, this is about a family issue. Like, there is no doubt... This is about a family issue. And Jesus loved his family. I mean, if you look through the history of Jesus, he loved his parents, he loved his brothers. Jesus spoke highly of him. He, he raised the prevailing opinion of children. He raised the prevailing, the prevailing opinion of women in the culture. He held up marriage. In fact, he raised marriage up higher than it had ever been. This is Jesus. This is, so in this response to this man, we have to ask, what is really going on? What is really being said? So when this guy, first of all, when this guy says, I mean, can I go bury my dad first? We have to understand in first century Jewish culture what he's really asking. Because what he's really asking isn't just like, hey, my dad just died. Can I go bury him? We need to have a funeral service and then I'll run away. It's not what he's saying. What he's actually saying is, my dad's probably still alive. But as the eldest son, I have a duty to stay with him and to take care of the inheritance. I have all these expectations that are on me that are important family. The culture says, this is what I should do. Or there's another Jewish tradition where after your dad's died, after your parents died, you, you wait a year and then you rebury the bones. It comes from an old Jewish tradition of Joseph reburying his father's bones long ago in, when he was in Egypt. So, so they do this tradition of reburying the bones. And Jesus again, is because Jesus is basically confronting this expectation and saying, listen, you are living under expectations. You are living under traditions. You are living under this, you must do this thing and do that thing. And here's what I'm saying to you. Let those whose desires they are to try to do all the traditions and do all the right things and do it all perfectly for your family. And if they want to have that be number one, that's okay, let them do that. But if you want to follow me, that can't be number one. I've got to be number one. I've got to be the first place in your heart. Jesus makes it clear that God wants the first place in your heart. And so we've got to relinquish these things in our own life, our schedule, our, our traditions. We've got to say, God, I, 
I want to relinquish my desire to put family before God and all the expectations and all the things that come with it. Now, before you turn off this conversation off altogether and be like, dude, this, is, this sounds so wrong. Like, this just doesn't even sound right. Before you stop listening, let me say something. God created family. He created marriage. He created this whole idea, and we can all agree that it is foundational. A great marriage and a great family is foundational for a better world. We all know that. And some of you have grown up in families. Like you, you had broken families. You had things go wrong in your families. And you know the kind of wounding and harm it's done in your lives. You know the kind of things you've had to make up for because of it. And so when you hear family, you're like, no, I want the best thing. And we live in a world that is bullied and violent. You're like, man, I want his parents. You're like, I want to protect my kids. But you've all felt this pressure. And especially, I think, in our culture today where there's been this shift from first century. In the first century, children were like, eh, whatever. Jesus was raising them up. In our culture in America, right, children aren't like, eh, where are children at? They're like, woo, right? But you watch the Olympics. Don't you feel this enormous pressure? When you like watch the Olympics or you live your life with your kids' parents where you're like, I got to make sure they're happy. I got to make sure they're successful. Man, I watch the Olympics and I go, I didn't get my kid out on the slope. When they were three, I've ruined their lives, right? Like, there'll never be a world champion now. Man, you know, before you know it, like your whole life begins to rotate around keeping your kids happy and doing all this stuff. So God, Jesus calls us out on this. And, and if we were to apply this today, this would be talking about competing desires in our family, with our kids. I mean, so, so let me give you an example. So I'm raising my kids. Um, my kids are 18 now, but when they were... When they're growing up as kids and in high school, they loved, they loved sports. They loved doing some of those things, so they would get involved in sports. But they, we had this conversation on a regular basis of priorities. They're like, Dad, well, I, my team is going to play on the sale. I'm like, no. Well, they might play on that team, but you're, you're going to talk to your coach because you're not playing on the sale. You're going to be in worship. Like, Dad, come on. Like, it's just one day. I'm like, it's not about one day. This is about what's important. In your life. So we would have these conversations all the time. Now I'm going to tell you why I have these conversations with my kids. Because think of it this way. Because, you know, to be honest, I'm just going to be honest with you. My kids, my kids, I'm still praying for them to like really grow this desire. I want, the, I want them to have this desire for God. But your kids are going to grow up and some of them are going to be like, man, I am on fire for Jesus. And some of them are just going to be honest with like, you're waiting for them. Right? You're waiting for their hearts to catch up. And you're waiting for them to really know. So my kids, you know, they, they, they come to church. They love their friends. I mean, one of them actually got a tattoo for the, ch- the student ministry building on his chest after he graduated with some other guys because this was a meaningful experience. But do they love God the way I want? You know, I know what I dream for them yet. Mm-mm. So when they were growing up, they were sometimes like, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to youth group. But guess what else they didn't want to go to? School. Right? Now, what kind of parent would I be if they got up in the morning like, Dad, I don't feel it today. I just don't feel it. You know, my, I got this teacher, and I don't really like them. So I'm just going to skip. And I just went, yeah, okay, just go ahead and skip. Like, what kind of parent would I be, right? Like, I, no, you are going to school. Because if they didn't go to school, they wouldn't be in college right now. And they would live with me in my basement for the rest of my life, and I don't even want that. And they don't want that. You know, they want to be, I want them to be able to make the difference in the world that God has for them. And you know why I had these conversations with my kids? You know why they didn't make those choices? 
Because they're kids. And I'm their parent. My job is not to be their friend. My job is to be their mentor and their guide, to help guide their desires in life because they're too young to know the implications of their choices, man. That's your job as parents. Because let me tell you this, and I tell you this from the bottom of my heart, what you model, they will follow. So if you want them, you want them to follow Jesus, you've got you to model that. You know, sports is like this huge thing in our culture, right? It draws us and our families and our schedules away from God. Activities, it doesn't matter whether it's sports, musicians, but let me talk about sports because it's huge in our culture, right? And it's, it schedules over everything. Now, I just want you to let a statistic sink in for a second here. I know you're going to be like, no, not my kid, but let me just let the statistic sink in. Do you know that it is more likely for your child to be struck by lightning in their lifetime than to become a professional athlete. Let that sink in for a second, right? It's more likely for them to be struck by light in their lifetime to become a professional athlete. I know, not your kid, right? Your kid's going to be awesome, and the coach just needs to put them in more, right? But I, I just want you to get a hold of this. If you're putting more energy into getting your kids to their activities, whatever that activity is, then you are getting, putting energy into helping them understand and have a desire for God. Where does that leave your kids when they leave the house and they enter the world? Because if my kids don't leave my house with a deep desire and understanding of what God can do in their life, and how he can transform them and set them free, and what it's like to be loved by them and not insecure and not worried about what someone says to you about you on social media because you don't care because you know that you are loved by the God of the universe and you're his creation. I'll be brokenhearted about you. See, this, this is where we have to pause and say, what's the ultimate goal in our, your family? What's been happening there? What's been competing desires for you? Kids be happy, successful. Maybe for you to feel happy and successful because your kids are happy and successful. Let that sink in. What is God speaking to you about in this moment? Where do you find resistance? You're like, no, no, but no, no, no that's not me, but. Maybe God wants to speak to you about that, and you just need to jot it down this morning. Here's that competing desire right now. Because we need to relinquish that. That's where we find peace. That's where we find God. When he gets first in your life. He gets all of us. Okay. Last guy, right? It's like, this is like that old joke, three guys walk into a bar, right? So first two guys are done. Here, sorry, this is the third guy. Here's what Jesus is going to say to him, right? So another, this is again, right? Tough conversation. Jesus has this conversation. So another said, I will follow you, Lord. I'll follow you, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replies, no one who puts the hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of God. These conversations are difficult. Let me tell you why I think they're so hard. Because I am more like every one of these guys than I am Jim. God, yeah, I'm going to follow you, but first, 
first let me do this. First let me, the timing's just not great, God. Like not, just not right now, God. Right? I mean, parents, you've done this with your kids. Kids, teenagers, you know this, this spiel, right? Hey, go take care of that. You're like, I'll do that later. And by later, what you mean is never, but you'll get to it. Like you want, you know, you, you mean that you'll eventually get to it, just not this week, right? And so, parents, you know what that's like? We all know what it's like because we identify with it. We do it as parents. We do it as adults all the time. Timing's not just, not now, God. Like, this, and really what this guy's saying is like, listen, Jesus, you go ahead. I'll catch up. I got a few more boxes to check on my plan first. Just let me take care of my plan first. And, and here's what I believe that Jesus saw into his life and why Jesus was confronting him in this. Because Jesus knew when we delay, we might just stay. We delay, we might just stay exactly where we are. We might never move into all that God has for us. We might never make the impact that God wants for us. When our desire is for our plan and to check off the right box is stronger than our desire to just say, God, if this is what you want me to do, if this is where you want me to go, I'll do it, I'll go. We might just be delaying the growth that God wants for us, the things he wants to do in our life. So Jesus says, you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. How many of you have, have ever taught a teenager to drive? Okay, a few of you. Okay, let me tell you, let me tell you as a lesson as a dad, here's, here's, here's a line for you. So those of you young kids who are going to teach this, this is just an important line someone gave me. As my son was backing out of a parking space, looking forwards, backing out, I said to him, stop. And he said, what, what, what? I said, generally, you should not be traveling in a direction in which you are not looking. This is a general rule of driving, okay? This is what Jesus is saying. You, you know, like, you, just have to, you don't have to plow a field to know this. You can just mow your yard. If you look back like this, mow your yard, ain't nobody happy with that mow job, right? Because why? You're so busy looking back at your past. You're so busy looking back at your plans that you can't see what God has for you ahead. And God is saying to you this morning, Leave behind that junk in your past. Some, for some of you, it is like, i got to clean it up before I get to God. God's saying, leave that behind. Your past doesn't need to determine your future. For some of you, God is saying to you this morning, listen, I know you think you need all those plans. you got to have it all together. God's saying, you don't need that. I just want you. I don't want all your plans. I just want you. And trust me, I, I love you, but I'm just a little smarter. And I have a better plan. Follow mine. Now, if we were to sum up all this stuff, because I'm, I'm I just want you to be able to relinquish all of these things. So if we're going to sum up all of these things, because we're going to have communion in a minute. I, if we're going to sum it up in one word, you know what that word would be? Whether it's comfort, sacred cow comfort, family, or the sacred cow of plans. I might sum it up with this one word, control. We like to be in control of our comfort. We like to be in control of the successes of our family. We like to be in control of our plans and how things are going to work out. Because the truth is we trust us more than we trust anyone. And relinquishment is about opening up our hand and saying, God, and you're going to have to risk something. This is what Jesus was calling to you. God, if I'm going to be all in, I'm going to have to open up my hand and say, I trust you more than I trust anyone. 
I trust you more than I trust anyone else because you've convinced me that you really do love me. Some of you might not be quite there yet this morning, but I want you to look around because there are people in this room who are going to come forward, and they're going to be in tears, and they're going to be saying, God, I bring to you this cross because this is what we're inviting you to this morning, is to say, I'll relinquish. And when you see them move this morning, may you also be moved because they're convinced that God loves them, and they're willing to step out in courage in this way. So I'm just going to stop, and I want to pray for you this morning. Because here's the secret about desire. They're like weeds in your garden. If you don't pay attention to them, they will take over. All it takes is to ignore them and be like, I don't want to deal with that. And before you know it, there will be no space for the good things in your life to grow. You've got to root them out with courage this morning. Say, God, do the work that you need to do. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, will you speak to our hearts? of your love? Will you speak to our hearts of saying just, I won't have second place. I'll only want first. I want all of you this morning. Will you remind us and give us courage to trust you this morning? Will you help us to see this stuff in our life, the desires that are competing for what they really are? Weeds that are keeping us from the joy that you have for us. The future that you have the impact you have for us, the purpose that you have for us. And renew us fully in your desire, God, for you alone, for you first. In Jesus' name.